Hey, welcome to the Profanity Nation podcast, where we are the voice of the professional fan. We have a great week and a great guest here in studio. We have Nick Hamilton with us. He is a great friend of the show. Yes, yes, yes. And we yeah. can't wait to get into it. Uh, I've been waiting look- on this dude for two years, man. You've been waiting to get back at me. this one here. I haven't going to lie, man. <laughs> we we got to talk. Right. We got to talk. Right, I'm going to get him on my side. Yeah, is my <laughs> get him on my Money side. Yeah. Right there. Money Mike, you're ready for this one, right? Man, I'm ready for two years. If you want some, come get some. Hey, hey. No, I just want you on my side. Man. Yeah, I have a feeling you guys will be on the same yeah, side. A little yeah, yeah. This is what I think it is. All yeah. right, yeah. Stat Pat, how you feeling? I'm good, man. I'm real good. Uh, you know, uh, we're just waiting for these playoffs to finish and get to you know next season because <laughs> I'm tired of looking at playoff basketball with the Lakers in it. You know, like come on, like let's <laughs> get this done. Lakers, you might have to get used to after a little while. Yikes! Uh, <laughs> all right, Nick. Uh, uh, we're gonna bring you in a second, but as always, we start the show uh, with a gentleman that just needs no introduction. Marco Nunez, the former athletic trainer for the Los Angeles Lakers. He is ready. Let's bring him in. Marco. Hey, Marco. How you doing today? Doing well. How's everybody doing today? Man, we good, good. man. We good. good. Hey, so, Marco, Talk I'm worried about my boy Lonzo. You know, they said, oh. he, had, you know, he had that meniscus surgery. Um, and then, you know, he had that bone bruise. And I think he was supposed to come back in six to eight weeks. And that was way back in January. And now they're talking about like his knees not responding. Um, and they don't know if it's the bone bruise or the meniscus. Dude, they pay millions of dollars, man, on, on these surgeries. How do they not know what really is causing the issue after it's been what almost five months? You know, yeah. like who are these doctors operating on this dude? Help help me well, out with this. Yeah, so here's the thing. Like, like I mentioned over and over, and we've discussed this regarding bone bruises. Bone bruises, unfortunately, are very, very unpredictable. You can get one, and you can come back in a couple of days, a week, and you're done. Or you can, it can last for several months. I mean, look at Nunn this past season with the Lakers. He had it during their preseason, didn't play some games during the whole entire regular season type of thing. Um, so they can't linger on, especially in the knee. And also depends on the location of the knee, at the time they buckle, every the time they hit. Now, as far as the meniscus, um, I haven't had a chance to look into what he, they did, whether they did a repair or whether they did a meniscectomy. And a meniscectomy is when they go in and just clean it out and, took, and they take out a piece of the meniscus and kind of get removed. A repair is where they try to save the, the meniscus and they suture it up and it's almost like they're trying to kind of like patch it up type of thing. Now, those can be a little bit unpredictable. There's about a 50-50 chance usually for young athletes and point guys to try to save that. I don't, I don't know if you guys recall a couple of years ago, actually more than a couple of years ago with Russell Westbrook when he, when he was with LKC. They did a meniscectomy, or they did a meniscus repair. It didn't take. And then they did a second one. It still didn't take. And then they finally had to do a meniscectomy. So I don't know if it's kind of the same thing that's going on with, uh, with Alonzo right now. Hey, yeah. Marco, go. I've got a question. Why would they go with, with the repair instead of just the full surgery, uh, which would appear to fix the problem in the first place? Well, the, the thing about that, that you want the repairs, because the, the meniscus, is, it, 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 acts like, it, it acts as a um, shock absorber and a protector and reduces friction between what's called the femur bone, which is your thigh bone, and the tibia, which is the lower leg bone. If you remove the meniscus, then now you have bone on bone rubbing against each other which then creates a higher risk of developing arthritis. And if you're an athlete, you don't want them that in your knee because then that arthritis can flare up, can create swelling and all that stuff. Especially if you're a young athlete, especially if you're like a, a, um, a point guard that you're going to be moving and twisting around, you want your meniscus in there. So all doctors will try to save the meniscus as much as possible when they can versus or go in and remove it. Yes, the easier solution is just to go, do what's called a meniscectomy where they go and clean it out, boom, you're done, four to six weeks, you come back and play and you're done. But then it can create some arthritic issues later down the road, especially if you're a young athlete. All right, so let me ask you. Oh, go go ahead, Pat. Oh yeah, I'm um, just real quick, on Marco. Um, so if they do remove the meniscus, is there anything they can use in place of that? So instead of having the bone on bone friction, could they have something like a you know some kind of uh, I don't know uh, replacement cartilage of some sort? So right now, from my understanding, I don't think there's anything to replace the cartilage and anything of that sort, but there are some 
what's called procedures that you can kind of get done. Um, there's one thing that's called a monobisc or synbisc that they often inject with athletes that have arthritic issues in their knee. And the synbisc is basically a lubing that you're kind of doing a, like a lubing uh, of the knee type of thing to try to kind of reduce that friction. Um, a lot of athletes, um, even adults, adults that have arthritic issues, arthritic knees, getting like what's called a monobisc or synbisc injection in there, which they, they, they basically inject uh, lubrication into your knee. It helps reduce some of the swelling. A lot of uh, patients get a great relief from pain from it, especially like the elder adults. Or if you have like adults that were like played at, that played sports for a long period of time, now they're having arthritic issues in the knee. That's one one kind of technique that you, they kind of help relieve some of the symptoms. Awesome, thank you. All right, so let me ask you though, like if if you had a bone bruise first and then they went in the knee, you know, for the meniscus, couldn't they have like be able to look at the bruise? while they were in there to be able to determine how severe it was. You know, I'm, I'm thinking like, hey, while we're in there, we might as well look at everything. But, you know. Let's <laughs> do a full suit up. Yeah, that, that's yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing about it. As far as, like I said, bone bruises, you can have a large bone bruise, and it doesn't affect you, and you're fine, you can play. You can have a tiny, tiny bone bruise, but if it's located at the right spot um, where every time you rotate or you pivot, you turn, and it kind of clicks against the other bone, that could be a, a sharp pain. You know, like I give you the example of everybody, you can have a small little splinter in your finger and you're like done for the day. Um, it, it, you know, it could be a very painful type of thing. So it's not only the size of the bone bruise, but more importantly, the location of the bone bruise. All right. Well, okay. So look, I feel you. I understand, man. I, that's why I appreciate you because you helped me understand this. Yeah. So now they're saying, yo, you know, this dude is not responding so what do we do? We just sit back and wait for it to respond or we wait for it to pick up that call? I mean, what are we doing? Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I, unfortunately, I don't know the exact details of the injury. I don't know whether they did. Like I said, as far as me talking about the meniscectomy or the repair, that's just something that I'm kind of speculating right now. So that, that's, by, please, by, by no means, nobody quote me on that part that that's what's going on. Um, but I know he's, from my understanding, he's back here in LA. They're visiting with some doctors and they're trying to figure out, okay, what is the next step? Because like, like you mentioned, he had the surgery back in January. He was expected to come back a couple of weeks and he basically didn't never return type of thing. So um, I know they're trying to kind of figure out, okay, well, what's going on? What's the next step? All right. Excellent. You got any questions? Great info. Hey, so I got another question, man. Go ahead. Hey, I was at the fair yesterday my, my, and I was thinking about my mom. My mom had a double hip replacement, all that stuff. Yeah. And she's been like, she went to a physical therapist and now she in pain and then she's taking Tylenol, you know, so that way, cause she, you know, she wants to be able to be mobile, walk around, but she had no baby replacement. I bought one of those things yesterday, you know, how the fair, they try to save stuff and all that. So I bought the, you know, that little remote thing with the pulse that they put on. Yep, yeah, uh -huh. I don't know what they call it. We, uh -huh. you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So I, I went and bought, you know, bought that and God was like, yeah, man, put one right here, right below the stomach mm -hmm. and one on the hip and, one round here and turn it on on low and and I said yeah but she ain't gonna call this because she replaced her hip and she said no it'll be good be perfect it's gonna give her blood circulation all that stuff did I waste my money or, <laughs> or, 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 or is this no, so, so, yeah. just tell me well let, let's first start I, I wouldn't buy any medical supplies <laughs> You get what you pay for. Hey. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, but those electric, I mean, they would do, they, you know, they did a full trip, you know, thing where they had my wife, my daughter and me, and it was on my, it was on my wife's hands and it went all through us. And I felt the tingle on the other side. I'm like, all right, I guess that's what's supposed to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. So <laughs> it, but most, most of those, I should I get my money back or give it to my mom. Just answer yeah. that. You're gonna go back tomorrow, and that stand's gonna be empty. No one's gonna be there anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> May thirty first, and we'll be for sure. <laughs> um, no, but bottom line, they call it electrical stimulations units or tens units or men's units, depending on it. And it does. The, the goal of it is try to increase blood flow to the area by bringing like electrical stimulation. Two, what the, the, what they're supposed to do is it also supposed to kind of like um, mess with the nerve endings to kind of help you give you some pain relief, so to speak. But that's just kind of like an immediate fix or some immediate relief. At the end of the day. If, if your mom had hip surgery and she went to physical therapy, one thing she needs to continue doing is continue strengthening this program. Just because you get clear from physical therapy means doesn't mean that, hey, you're free to go. You're all set. You're fine and dandy. No, she needs to continue to increase her mobility, her stability, and her strength in those hips and the knees and her, and her kind of core all around. 
Thank okay. you so much. So, Mark. so the key, she, he didn't say nothing about me giving her this device. So I <laughs> he said it might provide temporary. <laughs> yes, man. While she's Give your mom. I do something out for your mom. Man. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, hey. I'm gonna try to try it out, man. See what happens. Right. I, I already yeah. bought it. Okay. There you go. All right, Marco, thank you so much. Can you please let everybody know who's listening or watching uh, the best way to keep up to date with what you've got going on? Yeah, if you guys have, have, have any questions regarding sports injuries, recovery, rehab, or anything like that, feel free to DM me on my Instagram at MarcoANunion17. And also, please uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel at Evolve Athletic Performance. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week, Marco. See you. Thank you. Take care. Peace. Have a good one. All right, guys. So, uh, as you said, great stuff from Marco. Yeah. But uh, as we said, we've got I think a I wasted guest my money. here. We, <laughs> we've got a great guest here. We've got the incredible Nick Hamilton with us. Uh, let's go ahead and bring Nick Hamilton in. Nick, how are you doing? Hey, man, I'm good. I'm here, man. I'm, you, you guys have come up, man. This is the last time I see you guys. This is beautiful, man. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. It was all Jeff's idea. I'm inspired, man. I make me feel like the poor man of the group, man. Uh, no, 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 no. You're welcome here. Anytime, no. my friend, of course. Uh, so uh, last time uh, we were talking, we always talk Lakers here, of course. But uh, why don't you fill us in a little bit what you've got going on here? Uh, of course, everybody, if you haven't been keeping up with what Nick's got going on, you should. Uh, we'll go ahead and run his Instagram uh, handle right here soon. But um, I, I was watching you on a show and uh, you were saying something about a documentary or something. Let's yeah. Um, right there. Well, actually, a friend of mine and I, we formed, we were in the process of formulating this film company um we're actually starting to work on the documentary we have a trailer for it already so we're trying to get the, the business side of it taken care of and getting that out and hopefully if it gets greenlit uh sooner than later then be looking to shoot it sometime in 23 um but just another venture um just to be able to be able to be in a creative space mm-hmm. and to tell stories and not just it's not just sports it'd be entertainment it'd be yeah politics it'd be lifestyle it's just whatever it is because i feel like storytelling is almost a lost art in certain regards because you don't get opportunity to really tap in to what the subject matter is or the subject itself uh whether you know who whoever that may be so you know just inspired by you know when you watch stuff like winning time or you watch you know magic johnson's documentary or you watch you know, uh, you know, the Jordan documentary. And then now we got the Kobe documentary coming up soon, hopefully. Um, so do you, you see pieces of information like that and you, you know, stuff you just watch on Netflix or, you know, things of that nature that kind of just say, okay, well, there's a space for it. So let's, let's see, we could tackle and put my, put our staff on it. That's basically what it is. Yeah. Um, good. Um, funny you said that because I was thinking like after the last dance came out and you saw everyone's Mm -hmm. doing that, I'm thinking to myself, like, all of a sudden, a whole new world opened up. And sure. think, think about how many other sports and other athletes that you've always wanted to get that kind of that introspection of how they thought about things in certain moments, you know, yeah. because it's so surreal to you as the viewer, as the spectator. But then when you want to hear, like, what were you going through during that time when right. we all was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you just did that. And you want the juice too, right? Yeah, like you want to know right. what goes on, what, yeah, what, what yeah, was yeah. said, who, how you truly feel about this person, yeah. <laughs> how you truly feel about that person. You know, I mean, watching the, the last dance, I mean, it was perfect timing. Oh my god! Because perfect timing, because we were under the pandemic, mm-hmm. we couldn't go anywhere, mm-hmm. nothing was open, mm-hmm. so we sat there glued to mm-hmm. our our respective screens mm-hmm. and watched it in its entirety. Sometimes you watch it again mm-hmm. when it was over. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, you watched the replay just because yep. you, you were afraid you got up to the bathroom or you missed out on something. Right. Yeah. So it was perfect timing. That's the thing that I felt like the Magic Johnson documentary, which I thought was absolutely phenomenal on Apple TV, but I thought the timing of it was wrong. Yes. I thought, to me, um, I thought Magic's emotion may have dictated that decision. And usually when you have emotions that dictate your decision, 10 and a half times out of 10, you lose, right? Fortunately, I'm not saying this is a lost effort, but I think if had he waited to, let's say, June of this year and did the four-part series on Apple TV, I think more people would have been inclined because the finals would have been behind. There's nothing else on television that you want to pay attention to. So I thought that was a part that would that would have been a perfect time from winning time. Absolutely. And, instead right. of looking like you're not you were chasing winning yes. time, right. or trying to get ahead like of the story. Process. Yeah, it because it, like you were trying it, to get well, ahead of the story. Overshadowed but... by winning time because yeah. every episode got better. And right. if you look at the ratings from episode six to episode what was it ten or whatever the last yeah. episode was, 
it, it, it increased in the ratings. So you got more viewership, and I'm sure people are going to go back and then rewatch the exact, uh, you know, series from from start to, start to finish. So to Especially me, when season two comes out, they'll, they'll oh, season a, two is going to be phenomenal. If they stick to this, if they stick to the script mm-hmm. and have the great writing that they've had, and the cast again, the cast, is, uh, <laughs> the cast like I said, John C. Riley should get a Golden oh Globe at least for Doctor Buster. No, I no. forgot that was. You know what I talk about when I think about John C. Riley? I think about Step Brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I forgot that he was John C. Riley. I really thought that was Doctor Bus mm-hmm. talking for a second. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's the detail of a great actor. Yeah. It's um, like well, you, you great. It's like funny you say that because at one, one time uh, when Malcolm X, kind of like the movie Malcolm yeah, Den- X, Denzel, Denzel, were you mm-hmm. watching it all of a sudden? Like after like about halfway, and you're like, man, I don't even know who. Like it's. Is this Malcolm? Mal- you know, is this Malcolm X or is this like Denzel Washington? Because he just pretty much embodied that role, and John C. Riley is the star mm-hmm. of that show. Oh, no, man, he is no—he's an unquestioned yeah. star. And, and out of so many bright lights, because uh, Quincy Isaiah. Amazing. Oh my God! Yes, uh, Doctor Solomon Hughes, amazing yes. as Kareem, really yes. did a great job. He is. But he to to literally rise, and then you got Sally Fields in there. Yeah, and, and yeah, you know? and and also let's let me shout Adrian out Brody, Wood Harris. Who played yeah, Spencer Haywood? Who did a really great job yep. doing Spencer Amazing. Haywood? Yeah, Amazing. and I yeah. think Spencer Haywood would be pleased with his performance. No, he is. Yeah, he yeah. Is. So, I mean, uh, they it came out the the his daughter was yeah. the first one that said, "Oh my God, I love how you portrayed yeah. my you dad." Know, yeah. My dad, and yeah. then he just kind of co-signed what she said, which is really kind of comical to me because everybody else hates. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how does you know? So I mean, that to me creates more validity in the story, uh, uh, and how they shot it because, yeah. you know, especially Haywood, they showed him as a crackhead, pretty much. You know, trying Absolutely. to stay clean, and Spencer Haywood loved how he was portrayed. Well, right? because because <laughs> yeah, it, it was he was dealing with with significant drug use, right? Right, yeah. and so you had to portray that. Like you, you how how else could you portray that? Yeah, and but, not. But what not, I'm saying is, though, that was yeah, a negative manner. Yeah. Yeah. That's, neg- that's a negative manner, right? So, and he well, said, definitely yeah. didn't show him in a in a bright light, but it was real. Yeah. And the thing is, is he can be real. Uh, being a former addict, a lot of former addicts, in order to stay sober, have to be real, and he's real. And also, too, it showcased his leadership because that's somebody Kareem leaned on, right? And they kind of leaned on each other. You saw the dynamic between yeah. the two characters, and so I thought that was important to show that two. Two brothers can lean on one another. And Kareem really valued him as a person. Even going through his, his drug binges, right. he still valued him as a person. He 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 hated to deliver the bad news that he couldn't go with them as a on that quest for that championship. Yeah. But you know, that's the thing though. Solomon did a great job on Kareem because I've met Kareem. Mm-hmm. I've interacted with him. I've had <laughs> <laughs> not great interactions with them. Then I had then, then I've had a then I had a really really good one, right? But the one I had that was really really good, it was literally was one where he said, "Okay, today I'm gonna be Mr. Nice Guy." Every other time it was a spontaneous interaction, <laughs> and he gave you know, me like what he normally was, right? I- and and <laughs> it, it, which look, I'm just being real with it, right? But I saw how Solomon acted in there and i'm like yeah that's kareem you know what i mean that's how he is so mm-hmm. yeah. you know um and listen i understand not everybody look magic is is great if you see Ma- magic on the street he gonna stop talk mm-hmm. say, say hi, hi to everybody and he gonna be there 30 minutes be late to the meeting kareem ain't doing that kareem gonna look at you walk away probably curse you out but i love the <laughs> fact that 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 was projected in the show yeah that yeah. was a, it was a good part i mean i've had interactions with kareem too and there have been times where I've been scratching my back with a cactus and deal with Kareem. <laughs> right. Just because he was just awkward and he was just he was just odd, right? Like he just didn't he act like he didn't want to be there. So I'm like, well, why the hell are you obvious. here? Exactly. Right. Why the hell are you here? And then his handler is like, doesn't let you talk to him. Oh yeah. And they have to they have to put you through like 20 questions. It's like, man, please. Mm. There's no cash. I'm gonna talk to Emmett Smith over here. Like he's a he's a NFL yeah. champion. I'm gonna talk to Emmett Smith. Like the hell with you. <laughs> yeah, that dude literally, I was right beside him and he ignored me like he looks straight ahead but that's the reason why you know they say he never got his coaching opportunity which he wanted so you know uh if you're not very approachable i mean i mean you know you read what you sow i mean and and we've seen you interact with so many people 
And then now all of a sudden we're going to go ahead and just because you got basketball acumen, I need to go ahead and just give you a job. It's like you forget about the whole interacting with the press and interacting with all kinds of oh, different people that, just, his, to play, just his, to the players. His teammates. Right. I mean, even his, interacting it, with his teammates because you have someone like Kobe who was, you know, obviously Black Mamba, but everybody came to Kobe for advice. And Kobe was, oh, if you came to Kobe for advice, the Tatums, the Booker, he, he was open. Mm-hmm. Um, Kareem now says, I don't know why people don't come to me, but it's, it's, you don't know why you don't, <laughs> you, know? You, you confused, you know, everyone's everywhere. <laughs> the word is don't bug Kareem. Yeah, you're right. You know? you, either you're confused or you're high. Right. Like either one, like you don't understand, like you why just you, turn it you off. just you know, dude, like stop it, stop lying to yourself. If mm-hmm. anything, you his character bag. was probably yeah. the easiest to capture because mm-hmm. he was the same guy no matter what. There really wasn't too much hidden behind Kareem. I don't think behind you know closed doors, everyone kind of knew who he was. Uh, the other players, there was a lot to learn. Uh, Norm Nixon, Magic, of course, uh, a ton. Um, but all the players, Spencer Harrod, it, it was just an outstanding series. Like you said, we're, we're looking forward to season two, which, as we've said on the show, is confirmed. And uh, uh, some people believe it was going to jump right to the Kobe Shaq era. That is not the case. They are going to stick. There is just too much to contain. And Riley hasn't even become coach yet. That's so. what I'm saying. You got yeah. five. Wait, wait, you got five wait, who the hell season. thought that? Did you not pay attention to the storyline of watching Winning Time? Well, it's, it's called Winning Time. Yeah. The reason why is because Proma's next book was uh, based on right. Wait, but there's yeah. plenty of, of room this in this is, book to continue. This is, yeah. yeah, this is Winning Time. This yeah. is not the dynamic duo. Like, this is right. Winning Time. This is about the Showtime. This is what kicked it off. So you can have Shaq and Kobe yeah. later this on down the line. Possible. Right. Exactly. I mean, think but, about it, right? There's like five championships, five seasons at least. Yeah. Oh, at easy. least, at least, easy. Yeah. But, so but he, he, the thing about it, though, we didn't even they haven't even really gotten into the Magic Bird dynamic. Like, it, oh, it it's just literally started. no. It just you know you like, saw it, it yeah. but it's so much to unpack there. Yeah, uh, about shout the, out to whoever that guy is because he's killing it. Yeah, Bird was Red Red Arbach. Red yeah. Arbach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. You know Michael, what's neat uh, is the Chicklish? stuff we've learned. Yeah. The stuff we've learned uh, is great, and you can believe it. And just the the gambling nature of us, and the way that he finagled those uh, uh, bankers and such is just—it was wonderful. Like I, I said, to it. me, I mean, if anybody can be—I mean, if he's in heaven, man, he's like, like, you know, smiling down, thinking, like, man, y'all are killing it with my role, doctor, because Bus. he's looking great. Because yeah. he's looking like <laughs> the guy that we always. First of all, he he's Doctor exactly Bus. Like you know, we Doctor Bus, so we know he had a mind because he's a doctor of chemistry. So you can't—I mean, I've taken chemistry courses. They are hard. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And to be have a PhD in that. And then also be working what he heard about he was working with, you know, on like a missiles and stuff like that. So yep. and then he's a gambler. And so all of that, and a philanderer. And you see it mm. all kind of play. <laughs> yes, he had a residency in at LA, the, play, the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's gambling because he's literally his whole life, this whole this whole, whole deal. This whole gamble. thing is a gamble. And he's Betting and he's winning, and you heard he was a great poker player. I mean, he's just—I mean—he knocked it out the park. He, oh my god, it was just—I yeah. mean, I've I, anybody. He's I the mean, one. The, I think the best thing you can say about him is that he was just such a visionary, and nobody saw. Right. No, nobody saw what he envisioned in it, and then I think probably what would you say, David Stern, probably was a real one. They they was like, hey, we could probably play off this. We yeah, got he took it and ran with we it. We got this sure. magic yeah. bird, mm-hmm. you know, thing he's creating. And it, you know, it, it shows you, yeah, it shows you the brilliance of of, of David Stern early yeah. on. Like mm-hmm. in eighty right. he went, took it over in eighty five and what he did and, and getting off tape delay and actually yeah, bringing yeah. live games to fans. Yeah. I think but he like also you said, giving Buss some leeway to do what he was doing. Sure. He had to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Because you had one of the arguably one of the greatest players and the most fo- one of the most focal players in Magic on the West Coast, Bird in Boston on the East Coast, Lakers, Celtics. You you built that dynamic, right. which opened perfect. the door for the GOAT himself and Michael Jordan later yeah. on. So I think it was smart for them to show that, and I'm glad they showed that because I think it gave some history to especially younger viewers yeah. that didn't really understand how the NBA became the NBA, what we see today. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Or how much uh, the Lakers themselves, Jerry oh. Buss, influenced the NBA that we see today. Yeah. And so yeah. And, and and regional sports chat. You keep naming. I mean, uh, yeah. there's so much. There's so much, and uh, it's great. I just love that it's our town. 
Right. <laughs> and it's our team yeah. that we, we, it's about. So we even when we're losing, we're winning. Even when we're losing, we're winning. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Is, uh, Financially, especially. Uh, yeah. That's uh, a lack so, of myopic way of thinking. But, uh, uh, yeah. Let's get right well, into that. Because... Yeah, yeah. So get into it. You know, yeah. hey, man, first of all, man, look, you've been killing it, man. I'm Thank over you. there watching TV and I'm Rogan and all of a sudden, hey, I got Nick Campbell. I'm like, that, that guy right there. He came <laughs> on my show and I feel like he really yeah, you you know, did a number way. on me. But look, I just want to ask you, man. You know, I've been called a LeBron hater, and 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 I've been watching you know this whole season. And I ain't was, hating, and it was it, and it was tumultuous <laughs> for me, right? And me and you back and forth, you you know you spit out all the stuff about you know how could I say these negative things about LeBron? But dude, like this season, I feel like I was a hundred percent right in what I was saying about him for many reasons. Number one, he he was not a leader on on our team this year. Um, he he looked like he was selfish and wanted to do things for himself. He didn't want to take in any, um, you know, he it was always somebody else's fault. He was throwing shade at our at the coaching staff this year. He's scoring thirty points. We lose him by twenty five. Like why? I, I the, so the whole year I'm pointing these things out, dude. He 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 ain't getting no fouls, you know. But and and but when I'm pointing these things out. Everybody's telling me that I'm a LeBron hater, like they're not seeing the same exact thing. Well, let me ask so, you. Let me ask you this, Walter Hayden. Uh, <laughs> who was the leader on the team this year? Not named LeBron. <laughs> Nobody was. That's the problem. So they had no lead. So you say they had completely no leadership. Well, Somebody got to be in a leadership role, though. Yeah, but whether they display that or not is a, is a different topic. But who was in the leadership chair? Not named Frank Vogel. Well, I mean, that's the thing, though. LeBron was supposed to be the leader. Because I think he was the leader. But I also think, to your point, I think LeBron failed at that miserably. Right. And the reason why I say that is because I agree with you. Le Statistically, LeBron had an MVPS type season. No question. You can't take that anything away from LeBron. LeBron kind of kept them in, in certain games. LeBron did keep them in certain games. Now, it wasn't a plethora of games. Don't get me wrong. I ain't drunk. But what I'm saying is he kept them in, his, in, in a, a significant, he kept them in a certain amount of games. The problem is the deflection. Because when you look at other leadership, when you look at leadership, you look at guys and say, hey, no, it's on me. Regardless if the other right. guys stuck up the joint the yep. entire night, you look at the guy that said, hey, it's on me. Y'all want to talk about somebody? Put it on me. Right. Right. LeBron doesn't do that. And we know that. So why are we so surprised when he doesn't do that? He hasn't done it. But majority so, of his career. But, see, but this is why I'm surprised. I'm not surprised that 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 he did that. I'm surprised that nobody's holding him accountable. You know, Who has the balls enough to hold him accountable? But, but see, I think we listen. It, even the, even the content. That, 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 that even, gets down to the coaching search. We'll I mean, there in a second. This, this is the reason why, like, you know, I think we have this show because I'm calling him out about those things. Because Stephen A. calling him out. Mike Wilbon, you know, ESPN, Fox Sports. Nobody's calling this dude out about what he ain't doing. You know, they're, they're over there talking about, you know, oh, he's 90 years, he's in his prime. If he's great, da-da-da, you know, he's scoring all these points. Dude, we are literally losing, and this is the first, this guy is the first guy walking down the tunnel. He, at the beginning of the season, y'all keep all that smack, you know, about, you know, you know, keep if you say we owe, yeah. keep all the energy Ooh, at the end time, of the season. Pastor. We kept, we, 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 you know, at the end of the season, this dude says, I make no decisions. You know, and then we, we when I want to keep that same energy, is that like it's not going to be directed towards him? Like, Hold on, I got to give you an offer, man. You over here preaching. Hold on. Man, <laughs> man, hey, hey, so, I mean, all I'm saying is my, my question to you is when I'm pointing out what really is happening, you know, uh, uh, I mean, you know, he's not going to be successful because when Russell Westbrook comes over here, you know, Russell Westbrook only is successful if he handles the ball. But if you got uh, LeBron handling the ball, then Russell Westbrook has no place, you know? So now if you have all these situations, why, if I point these out, am I called a hater on LeBron? Because the truth I ain't hating. before you, because the truth stings before you take it. Okay. Right. And sometimes these Laker myopics out here, which I got into it with a couple, I've been, you know, I love getting into a Laker myopics because it's fun because they get, they, they, their blood boils so easily. It's funny. To me. <laughs> and I thoroughly right. enjoy it. Like, you want me to be the jerk? Fine. I'll play the jerk role to the T. 
We talked about John C. Riley playing Dr. Bus. I will play the jerk role to the T. I have no problems with right. that. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. It's therapeutic for me. But what I will say is this. LeBron has to be called out. The reason why you mentioned Stephen A. Smith, Michael Wilbon, because it is political and it's contractual. Right. We know LeBron has a deal with ESPN and, and those services, so they can't say too much about LeBron. We know Stephen A. and LeBron don't really mix like oil and water. Right. right? We get that. But Michael Wilbon is not going to say too much at that time. And I was really surprised that he didn't say more because usually Michael Wilbon is usually pretty spot on when he talks about players. Right. Um, he doesn't destroy them, but he just brings it to the point. Um, but when you look at LeBron, and, and I have to look, I have to go above LeBron, I got to say, look, man, I got to look at the ownership. I got to look at Jeannie Buss, right? And I think Jeannie Buss is one of the most brilliant business woman, women in the, in the league, period. I mean – Think about it. She's she's amongst giants uh, of a completely opposite gender, and she's in there. She's making headways. What I do think, though, the problem is the lack of structure. And the reason why you see the lack of structure on the floor because it's lack of structure upstairs. So it's a it it, it trickles down from upstairs to the floor. That's why when we talked about earlier about having Dr. Buss, why it ran so smoothly, because Dr. Buss kept a well-oiled machine upstairs, which trickled down all the way to the custodian staff. That's how well-oiled that machine was when, when he when he owned the Lakers. That's why the Lakers were successful. That's why you had, I mean, yeah, you always had controversy because it's right. L.A. That's what moves the needle. That's entertainment. He wanted to bring it entertainment to the basketball court. But this is beyond entertainment. This is just downright dysfunction. Mm -hmm. right. And mm -hmm. for, for these Laker myopics that have a hope, a wing, and a prayer to think that you're going to win another championship with a 20-year-old LeBron James who continues to break down, who hasn't had a, an entire season of play, who is a defensive liability. you got Russell Westbrook, who statistically is a worst three-point shooter of all time, <laughs> who is horrible. The dude couldn't – he looks lost in the That's offense. the worst player to pair with He. LeBron. It was the worst trade in Laker history. The worst trade in Laker history. And you're going to sit there and act like – and I, I'm not supposed to get you drug tested for telling me or trying to convince me that this is a team when healthy with street clothes, better known as AD, is on the floor along <laughs> with those two those two clowns on the, that I just mentioned, and you're going to win a championship in a very tough, brutal Western Conference when everybody else is going to get better? Come on, man. What are you smoking? Like, yeah, there's no way right. you're going to convince me of that because it's dysfunction. You got an owner that can't even make her own solid decision without 900 people being in her ear. Well, that, that brings up that point. So you've got Jeannie Buss, and it would seem to me and, and maybe, you know, just the novice Lakers fan that one of the drawbacks that Jeannie brings is, is her <sighs> – she doesn't want to leave the, the Laker family. She's got uh, Kurt and Linda Rambis. She's got Palinka who came from Kobe. She's got, uh, she's just, she doesn't seem to want to go outside the family. Mm -hmm. um, and that seems perhaps why we're stuck. Now, as far as basketball decisions, of course, ownership, she makes the final decisions, but you have to put the right people in place below you so that you mm -hmm. can feel confident in that. Even Bus, you know, at least had that at the time. Um, it just seems she's she's terrified to do this on her own and leave the Laker family. Which tells me, are you are you confident as in yourself as an owner? Because when you look around the league, you look at the Miami Heat, which are content, who, who happen to be playing currently in the Eastern Conference Finals, while the Lakers are in Cancun on the couch. Yep. Look at the structure, Mickey Arison, the Godfather Pat Riley, and I'm sure they have other people they confer with. But right. you know the structure. You know where it's going to go. Same thing in Golden State. Same thing in Dallas with Mark Cuban and those guys. Even if you look at the Los Angeles Clippers, you look at you look at the ownership. You look at Jerry West, and of course, no disrespect to Lawrence Frank and those guys, because I think they they manage and do what they're supposed to do. But you automatically know if Jerry sees something, you don't think Steve Ballmer's going to be like, "Oh no, sorry, Jerry, we're not going to roll with that." Of course, he is. He wants to win at all costs. That's why yep. he brought the great Jerry West on board. But when you look at different structures of teams, you can see what it is and you can see why certain things happen the way they do. They're having 
situations where you bringing in 900, you bringing in, uh, like you said, the Rambuses. Now you got Palinka. Now you got Magic coming back. Excuse Link, right? me. Is this the same Phil, Magic Johnson wait, 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 that gave now you? Now she's consulting with Phil. Again, afraid I mean, come on. to go the same. outside What are you talking about circle. right now, right? The same. I mean, it's, and, and let's not add, let's add Rich Paul and LeBron to that mix. So now you got and, other and people. That's the, and that's the biggest problem come to on. me. Come that, on. That's the biggest problem to me because, you know, first of all, they literally straight play GM. Carmelo Anthony said it like you are the GM. Yep. Ka- yep. Uh, Kyrie just did an interview. Uh, yeah, GM. He said that, that <laughs> LeBron <laughs> plays the GM. Um, one thing we know historically is that wherever LeBron goes and then he leaves, he guts the whole team and then they're in the gutter. Except for the Miami Heat. Except for the Miami well, Heat. And there's a re- Riley, they didn't let. That's because Pat Riley wouldn't allow him to Again, do that. structure. Yeah, you don't let the player right. run the palace, and that's what I was going to say or about rise when it above came, the team. That's what I'm going to say about the Lakers. Um, if, like Nick was talking about, if the Lakers had say a, a Jerry Bus at the helm where he was before, and having the structure with you know even Cupchak, you know, because Cupchak was that guy that he leaned mm-hmm. on to make those personnel decisions. Sure. He might not make the best of them, but we knew who the big boss in the room was. It was Nick Cupchak. You're not going to be able to have an agent influence personnel decisions if you got Jerry Buss and Mitch Kubchak. And see, and like you got the Rambi, you got, you know, you got Palinka. We Palinka don't even know he's if an he, agent himself. Yes, so he don't, he but he doesn't even know do. if he's a GM. Like he's just he's running it by people. He got these people. He got I got five guys. Who you want? I'm going to run it by you guys. You guys let me know who you want, and then I'll make a decision based upon that. That's not being a GM. You know what I'm saying? That's not a being – and then to give him even the vice president of player personnel. I mean, you giving him big titles, like, just for you to be literally a puppet. You know, that's what I don't understand. I mean, when you look at this, this state of dysfunction, and I'm being nice when I say that, mm-hmm. you wonder why I'm saying they're not going to win. You you took – when? let me ask y'all this real quick. When did the Lakers get so damn thirsty? When did when did y'all get so oh, thirsty right. to the point where you guys are now begging for third degree coaches? When did y'all get so thirsty as if as if LeBron James weren't wasn't going to leave Cleveland to come to Los Angeles because we all know he wanted to get in different in endeavors production. away from basketball. Exactly. He was going to come to LA regardless, and magic. you let him gut the young talent. He kept Kuzma, but he gutted and alienated the young talent in. B.I. and Lonzo Ball. And look what B.I. is doing in New Orleans. Look what Lonzo... Well, we just talked about Lonzo yeah. Ball, but... And well, I was never I was never confident. Like, but listen... I wasn't confident Bulls, in Lonzo from but day But the Bulls one. were good when he was on the team. No, he was, they were good. But what I'm saying, when you, but you look at the success that B.I. has had in New yeah. Orleans. Yeah. You look at, you know, Kyle Kuzma, how he's ha- playing happier in D.C. Like, you look at all these guys that LeBron has alienated, and it's like, Carissa. why did you... Yeah. Why did you let this? Why why did you let this guy take over? You saw the history. Mm-hmm. You look what he did at Cleveland. Look what he's look what he tried to do in Miami before Pat Riley put his foot down. And you think the same thing's not going to happen here? Then you want to stick your chest out and pull the reins in yeah. after the fact yeah. and say, "Sorry, LeBron, we're not going to we're going to do it our way." It's or, too or, late. Or or yeah. leak well, that that came, it was Clutch's fault. Yeah, fault. Like that's, that's bad. Well, that doesn't make you just look bad, anyways. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, look, you, you, look, I I would tell you the biggest thing I hate about what's going on with the Lakers, and I literally just saw it today, is everybody every young talent that the Lakers have. Their trade bait. Yeah, they, they just said today that THT is probably going to be a really good uh, piece to trade. You know, in the summer, then he'll be then great on another team. Too. Like, yeah. why? Why are we having this conversation? Why are we actually doing that? Like, I mean, you know, if if we have these people, and and you guys, you know, heard me say, I wouldn't have traded for AD. I I felt like AD would have came the second year. We could have had the uh, other teams. And we would have had the same squad because it, it, we would have cleared our cap space and we would have had a young talent. Right. And we would have been able to get AD as well as that talent. I yeah. believe that whole Because I think AD was coming. I thought he so was why, coming So why, why were we trading a year early anyway? Because, Le- because LeBron wanted him. And you got and your and organization want wanted to lather him up and ball wash the hell out of him and give him any and everything he wanted. And that's exactly what he wanted at the cost of alienating players, at the cost of trying to bring his own people in within the organization as well. And that's why I said, remember when I last time I was on here, I called, I called, I called him the new death row. 
because right. it was like, yo, you guys that. are running this thing like, you know, Rich Paul like looking like Suge Knight. Yeah. yeah. You like know what I mean? And it's like he calling shots. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Who's really in, like you like you mentioned earlier, who's really in charge here? We still don't truly know. I mean, we and I'm not taking anything away. I don't mean to be disrespectful to Jeannie Buss, but I'm saying like we know Jeannie is the owner. Yeah. But who is truly calling the shots? We don't know. Nobody truly knows who's calling the shots because there's so many different. Nobody's taking accountability saying I'm the one who I, I asked right here on the show and I'll do it again. Rob, please, please show us the X's and O's as to what uh, told you that that rust trade was the way to go. Show us what data, what stat, what, what stat points you used to get to that because the most novice Lakers fan knew. Yeah. Knew mm -hmm. that that was a horrible and, trade. And, and that's the biggest question is like, how do we know this? How do we know that this is not going to work? Because he, I have a big, like I said, it's like fancy football. You know, you go to your know, fancy football team and everybody want to go get the stars, right? Nobody, but nobody picked Cooper Cup. You know uh -huh. what I'm saying? They're going to pick Tyreek Hill, you know, but we got to go get those players that may not be the top brand, but you take a team where you could go and blend them and then they play their particular role. If you know you got Russell Westbrook, who the only way that this guy is successful is if he's handling the ball like what 80 to 90 percent of the time then you and you know that that's and the way that he works is still marginal right well here's the thing the dude the dude averaged 18.7 rebounds seven assists he now was, we now what we what we saw was horrible but his stats weren't really yeah but well, the 43 percent from field goal percentage wasn't yeah. pretty neither though but, but here's the thing the dude's a career stat pattern but, but exactly. yeah exactly. but but i mean what i'm saying is though and you got LeBron. LeBron wasn't going to give up the ball at all, right? So so the first thing that we said, and let me know if you agree with this, I said the only way that I thought that that this LeBron and Russell Westbrook thing would have worked is if they would have both started the game the first five minutes, then Russ went on the bench, and then started, started the second half, a uh, second quarter with the second unit. That way he'll be able to uh, control the ball. You know, that, that was the only way that I thought it, it would have worked. And, but, of course, they didn't do that. And the only reason why I would have started Russell is because he's making $40 million. Well, that's very optimistic of you. But I knew from the <laughs> from day one, I'm like, when they announced the trade, I was like, this is doomed from the start. This is not going to work. Because it didn't fit. West Brick didn't fit. And, and he doesn't mm -hmm. fit. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. If you looked at other teams, he got he has to be the, he has to be the star. He wasn't going to play. He wasn't going to go from the one to being the third star behind Anthony Davis. That wasn't going to happen for him. Yeah, he said all the right things. As I was at the presser when he first came here, he said all the right things. But I knew it was it was, it was a bunch of cow manure because I know you a leopard don't change his spots. You know Westbrook is going to be what he's going to be. And he he was he was progressively worse, and it looked even worse on the floor, just from an ocular standpoint. Right. And so. Even if they had, but the problem was they should have got a Buddy Hill. They should have got Demar Derozan. Right, that would have been right. They I'm saying both of those guys. That would have been better. And you, and even if you want to give away Alex Caruso, okay, fine. You have Demar Derozan. You have you have a Buddy Hill. You mm -hmm. surround LeBron with shooters because statistically, from 2012 to current, LeBron has moved further and further away from the basket. So you're gonna have to get a guy that's guys are gonna surround him with shooters. That way, they can stay offensively driven as they're going up and down the floor. But you didn't do that for whatever reason. You allowed LeBron to punk you and, and convince you that Westbrook was the was the was the the right formula, it, it, and it wasn't. You know what it felt like? It felt like the a desperate move of a team. Which look, don't get me wrong. When the Lakers don't have stars, the Lakers need to have a star. So if the Lakers didn't have LeBron or anyone. Go get the Russell Westbrook because Lakers need to have at least a star, even if we're not competing. That's who the Lakers are. But they didn't. They had their stars. They didn't need that. Yeah. What were they trying to do? It just. It just. It. It, it was overload. It just didn't work. It didn't make any sense from last year. See, first of all, when did we get start getting in the habit of like breaking up championship teams? Like right. That's what I'm tripping off of. Right. Because yeah, that's the key. When you when you have continuity, when you have camaraderie, like the Lakers have displayed in the past two years before, when they were winning the, the championship in the bubble, and even that playoff, they guess they were injured, but Caruso would play in D still. KCP would play in D still. You know what I'm saying? You still got 
these fools know exactly what they had to do because they had cont- continuity from last year onto this year. They know where they're going to, and that will continue that chemistry. Would, and they broke it up for only for star power. Only if it has to have another name on the docket to have a big three. Which they but they need. failed miserably in executing that. So now it looks real bad because you didn't have to get rid of those guys. Well, also, too, the thing that the Lakers are lacking is culture. You mentioned the Rams earlier. Right. The reason why the Rams are so successful is because they have a culture. Mm-hmm. And if you don't adapt to that culture, then you go, you're going to be – you pick your – Take your pick, the 110, the 405, or the 105. Which right. which which freeway you're going to take to get out of here? Because yeah. you're going to get out of here. Look at Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. Deshaun Jackson didn't work. Unfortunately, he had to go. But look who they got in return. Everybody questioned the Od- Odell Beckham move, yep. but that was probably the best move, and he was the best player outside of Cooper, not named Cooper Cup, on that offensive you know, squad. Right. You look at, you know, obviously, but later on brought in Von Miller. But it was a – and all these guys have egos. We know these guys are stars and superstars. We know this. Right. But they bought into the culture because there was a culture established. When you look at the Rams with Stan Kroenke, you look at Kevin Dimoff, you look at Les Snead, then you look at, at, at McVay. There's a trickle-line effect. There's a culture in place. So the players know, the upper management knows, the coaching staffs know. And so now you can come together like a cohesive unit. Like you said, we didn't see that with the Lakers they, because they have no culture. There's no established culture to say, hey, this is this, this is this, this is who this person is, this is who that person is, which is why it leads me back to before, not to sound redundant, we don't know who the hell should be making the decisions because there's no culture, there's no structure in place. Well, yeah, and the reason, one of the main reasons why they don't have a culture is because they got LeBron James. Yeah, I think LeBron Culture killer. Him. I think LeBron killed the yeah. culture. Yeah, I you mean, think? Yeah. yeah. What gave it away? Man, listen. Him coming <laughs> doom, over doom, doom. I'm waiting for the Law and Order music. No, yeah. Him, him coming over here because, you know, it is. He does it every team. I mean, the thing is, is letting him do it. Getting him here and then letting him do it. He was already under contract. You could you pick whatever players you want to say, no, we're not grabbing that player. So we're not making that damn trade. Imagine that. What did Godfather Pat say? You can either play with Spolstra or you can sit your behind on the bench and ride it out. But Eric Spolster is going to be your head coach. That's it. We right. ain't changing. Yeah. So how do we fix them? You don't. It's time. <laughs> They're it's screwed. time to go. And besides, what you want to? I, I personally don't want to wait around so he can uh, uh, patch himself along so he can play with his son. <laughs> I, I I want to move on. Wait, you buying people. that? You no, actually... I'm not buying that. Oh, okay, okay. But, but but I want someone who is patching himself along to win titles. Okay. And me... that's all they're talking about, and that's all they care about. And that's the only way we're going to get back mm-hmm. to winning. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's our most tradable asset. All right. So we, there's a rumor that uh, uh, Palinka was out there with uh, hanging yeah. out with Correct. with uh, Nets, the Nets GM. You you know what do you think? Uh, Kyrie, what, Kyrie. Kyrie. They they talk about maybe Kyrie for LeBron Just, straight up. Uh, Let's just go ahead and bring the circus over here. Let's just go ahead and bring it here. What else, man? Why, why is my well? You're saying Kyrie for well. LeBron straight up, or no? No, I mean, I mean, that's, that, that's the rumor. Yeah, that, that's the rumor that they. Well, that, that's what they. That LeBron about. would go to the Nets. No, no, I mean, no, no, no. That reunited. they would reunite. So, yeah. so we're sending. That, Russ. Yeah, that's, 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 not that's, that's not happening. That's not happening. For what? That 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 for those two. KD to play back with Westbrook. Why no? Well, not even that. I want to trade. I want to trade. I want to trade LeBron. That, that, yeah, that you could tra- great. But here's the thing: you could trade LeBron, but never. bringing Ky- Kyrie and LeBron will never play on the same squad again. Okay, ever. I'm good with that. Never have Kyrie come That's up not, here. They, get, they wouldn't even have the same success huh? or different. No, 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 no. But here's the thing: I can see LeBron going to the Knicks. The reason why I say he can go to the Knicks because you got tradable young pieces: Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett. Randall. You have a lot of you have a lot of tra- young pieces that you can go with that. And also, too, there's no pressure with the Knicks. The Knicks fan. Now you talk. I talk about Laker fans being thirsty. Oh, they but Knicks it. fans, dear God, if you get Dude. to the second round, it's like the second coming of, mm-hmm. of Patrick Ewing. Yeah, man. And yeah. for LeBron to be in New York, something they wanted to have for years in New York, to have him play his final, you know, final contractual year in the in the, in the Big Apple in the number one market. If LeBron got them to the Eastern Conference Finals, he'd be a god. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say, hypothetically, let's say they pair him up with Zion. Because we all know Zion wants out of New Orleans. Can't really blame him because it's a terribly ran organization. 
So you pair him with LeBron. Apparently the food's good, though. Food is always immaculate. I mean, it's New Orleans, 504 man. got it cracking. But, <laughs> I mean, but let's just say LeBron got traded there to the New York Knicks for however it went down. You got younger pieces. Now, you're talking about getting younger. You're talking about developing talent. You still have you still have street clothes, right, for at least 50, 60 oh, games. Gosh, dude. You still got street. And let me say this. When Anthony Davis is healthy, he's an incredible player. He, he is a phenomenal player, but the best ability is availability. Right. So, unfortunately, you got to deal with that. I would now, as far as trading Westbrook out of here, that's probably going to take a three-team deal mm-hmm. of some sort because you got to get something back in return. You've got to – if you're going to trade THT and you're going to probably pair him up with Westbrook if you can or maybe just do it as a three-team, however you, you want to do it, you're going to have to get something – tangible in return i'm not talking about cash i'm not talking about second round picks i'm talking about a first rounder even if it's a low first rounder you still can get some you, you get an asset at low they're probably gonna have to take a bad contract with yeah that too. exactly but it's got to be an expiring contract yeah. but even if you get a low first round pick look at kyle kuzma look at jordan Poole. yeah they right. can do. like you can find they talent have, yeah they have at the those. end of the, at the end of the at the end of the rainbow like you can find some talent so the lakers can then trade him if he's good <laughs> That's a pretty I mean, wow. that, that, I, but that's, <laughs> that's what, what happens, is. though. I mean, that literally oh, like what happens. So, right. so let me ask y'all this real quick. And it's something that I was talking to my producer on my show with. I want to ask y'all because you guys talk basketball like religiously, which is beautiful. DeAndre Ayton, right? Yeah. And you look at DeAndre and you, and you obviously number one pick. The man was a was a consistent double double before Chris Paul got there and then had to peel yeah. back a little bit. Would it be feasible or would it be smart for him to come to Los Angeles to play with the Clippers in a sign-and-trade to pair him up with Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Reggie Jackson? Because I'm going to tell you something. I think this is it for that Clippers team. If they don't at least sniff the draws of the NBA Finals, that team is done. And let me tell you something. The the person they're going to ride with ain't going to be Kawhi Leonard. So do you do you think that Deion, do you think the Clippers should get DeAndre or at least try to really strongly go after DeAndre Ayton? Well, look, I like laughing at the Clippers, so <laughs> you can't help us. So you know, I like them being a the stepchild and and failing. So, um, but you know, if I am, not, you know, taking my heart out of it, DeAndre Ayton, I think would actually be a really good fit. Um, and I think it would probably take some pressure off of Paul George too, um, you know, with them being there because he's like another type of type of star where you know Paul George is great when he's doing being mediocre and everybody gets hyped, you know, by what he does. But when everybody turns their eyes on him, you know what I mean, and they're ready for him to perform, all of a sudden this dude disappears. And I think if you have Aiden on there. Uh, if you have Aiden on there, Aiden would take a little bit of that pressure where if Paul George have an average game, Aiden could probably pick up the slack. So I I, I think that actually would be a pretty good move. Well, to his credit, Paul George did not shrink because he got the Clippers to the Western Conference Finals. And if they had Kawhi Leonard, they probably would have beat the Suns. Could have. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, so they wasn't – they was, but I'm saying you you can't say Paul George shrunk. Because he's the catalyst on why they got to the Western Conference Finals for the first time. But ever. he's not the guy that you kind of are you gonna get on his back though? No, 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 no. Are you gonna ride him though? No, no. What I'm saying is no, but you, just you, that one example. Right. I'm saying you ride him as long as you can, but I'm saying I think you, I agree with you. A healthy Kawhi Leonard, Reggie Jackson, DeAndre Aiden at the five, I think would be you, you have no excuse not to get to the NBA finals next year. Yeah. You really have as long as everybody stays healthy, you really have no excuse. And I'm not saying they're gonna win it, but you gotta at least yeah they sniff have to, it. they have to go. You gotta know what it what it tastes like. Yeah, they have Aiden to go would be to one the of the finals. best centers that they've had in a long, long time. Yeah, honestly, really, I mean, he Ever. would be. Ever, he would be. <laughs> Ever. Like, would like, be. like I'm thinking, Ola, let's go Ola back. Kawande. Yeah, Probably the best. Do you think, but Aiden might actually years. thrive there too by not being. Uh, Clippers are never going to be spotlight. Suns, we're the the top team, so yep. maybe with that 
slight pressure there. I think he has something to prove too. But also too, let's look at Dallas because Aiden yeah. can go to Dallas too and right. pair him up with with Luca. Oh yeah. And now you got now you got a significant I contender. Actually, I actually would know what three people that 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 start in the starting lineup on that team. You would know well, now you now you can do your, your no four because <laughs> yeah. well him or I would say him or I would say Rudy Gobert depends on where Rudy Gobert goes. I think oh, that's yeah. what dictates what happens with DeAndre Ayton. And I would love to see Rudy Gobert go down to Dallas. I think that would be interesting to pair him up with with Luca. Yeah, because they're not gonna get rid of Mitchell. Huh? And they shouldn't. Um, but yeah. I would say Gobert going to Dallas would probably be the, a really good fit um, because that gives them some kind of presence. They give them some kind of defensive presence. They don't have it, even Strong though I mean, it, 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 yeah, and you have that. So that's that's taken out as a given. Offensively, you have somebody you can play to pick a role with, um, and you have that extra person, your lob lob kind of guy that you can do with Gobert uh, that Luca can use. Um, I think it's, I think that would be a really good fit for, for them if you wanted to, because he's not going to win anything with Utah and you can move out of Utah. Gotta, you got to yeah, <laughs> get out of there. You, you don't have to live in Utah anymore. Right. <laughs> but could Rudy go to the South beach mm. and could he be that piece Ooh. to get them over there? Because remember with before him. everybody said Giannis could potentially go to my, before he signed that deal with the bucks, right? He was rumored to go to South beach and could have been that piece with, Jimmy buckets and to get to get over the hump and get them to a championship. Now could Rudy Gobert not to call him Giannis, but could he be a nice yeah, Gobert's better? Than yeah, but see, but Miami. see, what's interesting about that is because we were talking about yeah. culture earlier, and there's a culture over there in Miami, right? So the question is, will Rudy, how well will Rudy, you know, adapt to that with that? Easy. Well, it's yeah, it's it's, it's, it's Jimmy's team. Everybody knows Easy. it's Jimmy's team. Even Victor Oladipo no said it was it was Jimmy's team. They no take problem. on the you saw that against the Celtics. They took on the persona yeah. with Jimmy being out in the second half. Yep. They took you thought Jimmy was still playing because his aura was around that entire team. Right. And even though Tyler Hero didn't have the best second half, they still found a way. And Bam stepped up in that in that absence and made his presence felt like, yo, I should have been defensive player of the year, you mm -hmm. bastards. Mm -hmm. Now right. I'm gonna show you playing with a chip. Right. Yeah. Size of Frito Lay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Absolutely. just saying, like you, you, and if you have Gobert down there with, I already have a defensive system already in place. Now you have an anchor that could come in there and erases all mistakes, which are pretty much are not many. You could have a scary defensive bunch on your end that's willing to lock you guys and winning, willing to win 85, 82. You know what I'm saying? Winning, willing to win like that. So. I will, it's going to be interesting, free agency, you know, when it comes it to where fun, the yeah. Yeah, it should be. NBA, that's the best part about NBA is there's never an offseason. There's never an offseason for the NBA. And Lakers always, too. But there's never an offseason for They're the trying NBA. to get like the NFL because that's what NFL is. The NFL it's, is it's, literally it's a machine. How salty do you think the NBA is now that the oh, NFL yeah. oh, is yes. playing on Christmas Day? Yeah. Wow. How salty do you have that's, to be? Dude, honestly. Challenge. Because. Challenge and it was. But see, wait a minute. Because I remember the NBA games about two days, two years ago started showing up on Thanksgiving. And I was like, why we got Thanksgiving games? And they're doing Thursday night games. You know games what I'm saying? Like, 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 why are we doing that? Okay, NFL said, okay, I see your Thanksgiving. Uh, and I'll no. take your Christmas. Right. Because you know, the, there's not a matchup. Dude, we watch Lions versus the Dolphins on, on Thanksgiving, <laughs> bro. We watch the Lions. It yeah. It is a staple. The right. Lions, Lions are a staple. Yeah. They will play just like the Cowboys. The Lions play. Yeah. I don't know how they got, but the at least, spot. but at least the Cowboys sometimes are good. That's what I'm saying, it's right? Because I've matter. actually, I've actually, the Lions been, are still in there. Yeah, I've matter. actually, I've actually covered a Cowboys game on Thanksgiving when they played the Chargers one year, yeah. and that was actually, an, uh, uh, that was an experience all its own. Like Cow Thanksgiving Cowboy games, if you've never been yeah. in that stadium, is remarkable. It is incredible. Like yeah, just being on the field. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I ran a t I ran ten yards before I almost slipped and tripped, but I, I can say I ran ten yards at Cowboy Stadium. That's <laughs> awesome. that's but awesome. and that's an amazing stadium, man. Like I, it was, it was until SoFi. Oh, you you like so you like SoFi. SoFi is the SoFi is the if, if Jay Z said he's the God MC, that's the God Stadium. Mm. I I, I still like I still like the uh, Dallas one better. I don't know, man. Did yeah. SoFi? Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> I do. I'm offended. Dude. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, that, that I, 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 listen. 
And I put Final the, thought. I, and look, I was at the Super Bowl. Have you seen so, have you seen Allegiant? I haven't been in Allegiant yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, nice. Allegiant is Allegiant nice. Allegiant is nice, but the problem with Allegiant is is it 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 really is the culture of the Raiders, which means there's no flair to it. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it's black and gray. Bare bones. <laughs> you know, and and you know it's technology in there somewhere, and but you gotta look to find it. Let me know. I mean, do you agree? Like I agree. I, you finally talking some sense once again. Yes, <laughs> I agree with you on Allegiant Stadium. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still a little disgusted with you about. I can't believe Man, what you just so said. Fine, I got to give you a tour. Then that's what we gonna. No, do. I mean, do it. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> it, it'd be freezing in there too, man. If you guys watch Damn. the show, you guys know that we finish each show with a segment we call Money Mike's Out of Bounds. Money Mike's going to share his thoughts or opinions on a topic, and he just wants to know: Are they in bounds or out of bounds, Money Mike? You know what? This you is really this is a really interesting thing to me, and I definitely want to know your opinion on it, Nick. Um, our guy Patrick Beverly, he um, <laughs> he went on tour. Well, it, it, it wasn't even the tour, tour, but it it was like two days worth of like we got to hear what this guy is saying now. <laughs> now, first of all, let me just say I I have two opinions on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first opinion is I think because you are in the NBA fraternity, you shouldn't be spilling out as much tea that you gave but as a fan i love what he did so am i am i out of bounds for saying he shouldn't have done it but i love that he did or you know when i guess nick go ahead please i think i think he's i, I think you're out of bounds for saying that you enjoyed it because i kind of enjoyed it too so i guess i'm out of bounds too. <laughs> but he wasn't spilling tea that dude was burning people with hot coffee <laughs> like <laughs> there's no way and, and and the the bad part is, are are players going to trust him again? Right. Because it's one thing about reporters in the locker room and then spilling, as you say, spilling tea. D'Angelo Russell, snitch. Uh, <laughs> but when you got a own your own fraternity, your own brotherhood, like burning folk with hot coffee with McDonald's hot coffee, like that's all bad. Like right. I think, and and let's be clear, Patrick Beverly is not a defender. Yeah, he's right. he's he he he's gets on your nerves. He he's he gets he gets he's like that. Ch- he's a chihuahua, but sees himself in the he's mirror as a pit bull. Yep. Yeah, he he he's yep. annoying, but he's not he's not a defender. I don't look at him as a defender. I I see Ben Simmons as a better defender but, than him. But you know what? I'm gonna tell you what I do like about Patrick Beverly is he's annoying. He, no, he, take you out of your game look, mentally. He brings the culture though, because I'm gonna tell you, my in Minnesota. They started all of them, you know, uh, Anthony Towns. They started picking on people too. Whatever, whatever it was, that dude, you know, was like, "Hey, this is how you annoy people," and he got the other players on his team <laughs> to do that. So I was like, "Okay, this guy." Ant Ant has a lot to do with that too. Ant Edwards, Ant-Man. man, you know, Ant Man, Ant Man is nice too. So yeah, you know, so I mean, yeah, Patrick Beverly does give them that grit. Um and yes and you got called Anthony Towns talking out his neck you're like okay this <laughs> and you already know that's because down. of Patrick Beverly simmer down dog simmer down but no you're right dude um yeah because he said what what did Patrick Beverly say he said um Patrick Beverly yeah, I was said, you know I was I'm gonna tell you I, 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 I was gonna I talk about something to. but I'm gonna tell you what no, I'll, I'll tell you and you're like wait a minute but you just said you were not gonna tell nobody so don't tell nobody hey that dude was like I was talking to this guy. I ain't gonna tell y'all. No, it was Pat. It was it was Pat. And you like it was Pat. Pat. Yeah. And me and Pat was sitting around talking. Yeah, you know, he he threw Paul George underneath the bus. Wait, Dude, and he like, threw LeBron under the bus too. Right. Because he said, Oh yeah, I beat Chris Paul at LeBron's camp. Go ask LeBron. It's like you asking LeBron to tell about his homeboy <laughs> that they're like <laughs> that's the yeah. banana boat crew. Yeah. Like, yeah. what are you supposed to say? Yeah, and it was, Talk about desperate for what was it? It was too much. man. And then when he said the story, it was too nothing. <laughs> Pat Beverly thirsty man. It's, it's, ridiculous. it's ridiculous. What do you but, think? Uh, oh, you're in bounds. Okay, you're in bounds. Absolutely. I I've never really liked Patrick Beverly's game. I don't like his uh, attitude. Uh, I you know what? I thought he was he was a punk when he when he tried to do that to Lonzo on Lonzo's first game when he really ran up to Lonzo as if uh, Lavar Ball. Like and everything, Lavar Ball was oh, saying. That. Oh, that. Yeah, 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 dude. Right. When he ran up to Lonzo, and was like, "Oh, I'm gonna like." Lonzo didn't say nothing, man. Dude, step the fuck. Yo. You know what, dude? It's now. Whatever. I wish you would. Now the thing is, because he, I, oh, in those situations, I just wish that was mellow. I just wish it was mellow. Right. You know, mellow would have been like, "All right, I'll be a Huckleberry." 
because I'm about to bust your ass tonight. Uh-huh. Yeah. I won't oh, bust yeah. Melo, Melo going to talk that stuff. Yeah, I'm going to bust your ass and yeah. I'm going to talk that crap. And I'm going to make you look like you slipping and sliding all over tonight. My you know man. what I'm saying? You just knew who we picked. You just knew who to he, pick. He was, yeah. And he was a punk for pushing Chris Paul in the back. Because that too. You, yeah, that you know Chris Paul would have, would have. I'm, I'm sorry, you can say what you want about Chris Paul, but I don't see Chris Paul as no punk. No. No. Sorry, I just don't. No. If that was been on the street, yeah. different ball game. He'd have fired on Pat Beverly and would have been on from there. Yeah. Yeah. But he had a whole restraint because of who. That's a punk yeah, that was, was. that was a sucker move. That's a punk move. All right, everybody. Nick, thank you so much for joining us. Can you do us a favor, please, and let everybody know the best way to keep up to date with what you've got going on? Yes, indeed. Thank you guys for having me. It's been great. I loved it. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, you can catch me on Instagram at Nick Hamilton LA, also at nightcastmedia.com. That's N I T E C A S T M E D I A.com. Your gateway to sports, pop culture, entertainment, community tech, all rolled into one just for you. Perfect. Money Mike, you got something? Yeah, yeah. So, Nick, you know, when I come to the show, we always like to give people um, a gift from the Profane Nation. I got you a customized shirt that says he ain't worth that money. Oh, there you a go. whole lot of people on the Lakers that ain't worth $40 million. You know what I mean? And so I'm, when you wear this, I want you to think about all the players in the NBA that ain't worth Ooh, a lot of money. I'm rocking that. I am rocking that for sure. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. We will be back next week, as always. Uh, this audio will come out on Tuesday on all, all podcast platforms. Thank you for joining the Profanity Nation podcast. We'll be back. We'll see you. Peace. Peace.